Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Adam, are you recording? Yeah. I am rec- You're high, Bonnie. <laughs> I know. I'm so stoned. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, table for two, please. With theaters still closed, Paula continues her search for another job. Could she handle the rigors of being a restaurant hostess? Can she deal with the flood of customers who all want the window seat in a joint that during the pandemic only has one window seat? Tracy Willett was in the New York City restaurant business for over a dozen years. She's here to give Paula the menu of skills she needs to work the front of the house. Plus... Ireland, Tony Anita Hall and Bonnie Burns, God help us, give us the lowdown on the Emerald Isle, a country which is littered with men named Thomas Coyne. I'm Adam Felber, the man who every week tries to guide our conversational seating to a rational order by placing the unsavory topics by the metaphorical kitchen door and letting the handsome discussion sit in our front window. And now, please welcome the woman who never has a seating chart and greets our guests with a poo-poo platter of topical digression. That'd be Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. It's so nice to be with all of you. I, I first, uh, I want to thank tonight's house band, Nobody Zach Ford on the piano, coming to us from Washington, D.C. Um, so thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Fabulous. Um, I, I think it's important that the listeners um, have a little backstory here, which is that uh, Bonnie Burns has had a uh, like a Dental I think procedure. it's like a, she's had a like an infection uh, in a tooth or some some bad dental problem that's very it's painful. An abscess. It's Thank you. An it's abscess. an abscess. And okay, so they gave, go. they told her to alternate, what was it, Tylenol with Advil? Was that it? Yeah. Something like they that. Said, they said, take, I'm so stoned, I can't even but say the But my point words. to you is you cannot <laughs> be stoned from Tylenol and Advil. So she's yeah, psychosomatically can. stoned. No, you can't. Tony, no, Google get, it. No, you don't get stoned from that. But Yes. You can take I'm, enough to get to get pretty high. 
No, and Bonnie you can't. has taken. No, Bonnie has ridiculous. taken too much. We've established that. Yeah, no, she was like that already. So my, uh, <laughs> you know, when somebody that you know and love is in pain and you feel helpless, and and so I was trying to think, you know, what I could do uh, for Bonnie, and the, and the truth is not a lot. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I I did find. Um, this little um, piece in a in a newspaper, um, a Massachusetts man who fell asleep while listening to tunes with his earbuds couldn't down a sip of water the morning after. An X-ray taken at a local hospital revealed the man had accidentally swallowed one of the wireless plastic earbuds, and it became lodged in his lower <laughs> esophagus. I just wanted to put that out there because, as many of you know, Bonnie had at one point had a plastic cover from an earbud stuck in her ear for, I think it was a month, and she didn't know at it least was a there. Month. And instead, she just had like a terrible headache and a bad earache, and finally she went to the doctor, and he just pulled out like all, it was like a clown car of things that she had lost were yeah. stuck in her ear. But the thing on the surface was the the plastic the, earbud. The silicone cover. tip of the earbud, yeah. Exactly. So I just would like to make tonight's episode, I would really like to make the theme of vindicating Bonnie. Right. She's not the only one. That kind of thing can happen. Uh, you know, I want to I want to make this a comfort food episode for Bonnie. Okay. Uh, okay. Captain This Crinkle. is already fated to be a very special episode because we've got Captain Crinkle intoxicated on non-intoxicating drugs. Exactly. And meanwhile, you are without your, Paula Poundstone, you're without your assistant Wendell for the first time since we started doing these quarantine broadcasts. So you yeah, are accompanied have, I, by two dogs right next to you, right? Right. Usually, unbeknownst to the listener, uh, my assistant Wendell is with me, and he has the job, among other things, of letting the dogs in and out so that they don't bother the neighbors barking and so that they don't make too much noise in my room. But now, in fact, I'm looking over at my dog, Mo, who has a party hat with a chin strap and a noisemaker in her mouth. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to go all that well. But, well, uh, I just want to say that that my job on this podcast is not easy in the best of times, and this is not the best of times tonight. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be very, very it's difficult. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, but um, but before we move on, uh, Paula, we're about to get to our book club, our Moby Dick book club meeting. Um, but yeah. I have some amazing news for you. What's that? You know our friend Kevin Kelso, friend of the show. He wrote those great theme song stuffs, and and he's been our house band. Yeah. Um, he's written a theme song for our book club. Oh, perfect. Oh yeah, take a take a listen to this because it's pretty special. Land Romo, tee it up. Call me Adam Felber. Please listen and take heed. I am the sole survivor of a book club that set out to read Moby Dick, Moby Dick. Our captain, Paula Poundstone, picked out this weighty tome. She swore we had to read it before she'd let us sail for home. Moby Dick, 
Moby Dick. The section about whaling was a whole new kind of doll. It shattered into splinters our ships, Tony Anita Hall. Then Bonnie <laughs> Prinkle Burn said, Paula, look at me. I'm the captain now. Then Paula cried, that's mutiny. Moby Dick, Moby Dick. The last thing I remember before I washed ashore was Ken Lezebnik screaming, bashing someone with an oar. <laughs> my name is Adam Felber. Now you've heard my tragic tale of how we came to ruin <laughs> when our book club chased that great white whale. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? I'm just going to say, I feel seen by Kevin Kelso. Like, we are really embarking <laughs> on, uh, you know, a real challenging literary task here. And Kevin appreciates what we're doing. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. And, you know, I do, I feel a little, I feel a little puffed up by it, you know? Like, you're right. Like, it's a, it's a mission. Uh, yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I, I, and I... I'm a big advocate of reading. You, you know, we started to read Moby Dick. As you know, Tony Anita Hall tried to jump ship any number of times. And, right. Uh, We've kept and her on I, the steady. Yeah, yeah. I've insisted that we stay the course. Uh, okay. Well, let me call this meeting to order. Here we go. I hereby call our meeting of the Moby Dick Book Club to order. Paula Poundstone, you were, you were talking, please. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I uh, I reclaim my time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> reclaiming my time. Yeah, reclaiming my time. Uh, I'm really enjoying reading Moby Dick. It's um, very deep, and I'm, as you know, a deep person. And yes. So, but tell us what your experience specifically of chapters. I think it was 35 to 39 that we were doing this week. As you know, I'm a very deep person. And yes. well, yeah, you, you go first, go ahead. You go first. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Full disclosure. And this is hard for me, but, um, I have to confess that last week, Tony Nita Hall mentioned she'd rather read Cosmo magazine than Moby Dick. And so I ended up picking up an issue of Cosmo and reading that instead of Moby Dick. You didn't. I, I did. I read Cosmo this week. You shallow. I can't believe that. that okay, well. Here we're just talking about having a mission, the importance of the club, and steady as she goes, and you're reading Cosmo? All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. Well, let's, let's, have, let's go to Bonnie Burns. Bonnie Burns, tell us about chapters 34 to 39 or whatever it was, because I didn't read them. I read Cosmo. Okay. Well, I have to say, I, I'm really, I've really gotten into Moby Dick. It's a really gripping story. But when Tony started talking about Cosmo. Oh, wait a minute. It, it's, 
It's embarrassing to admit this. But I stopped at the 7-Eleven and, you know, I almost felt like, like, okay, I was embarrassed to be seen buying Cosmo because... Yeah, I've been pretty successful in my career. <laughs> and the idea So, Sabani, so did you not read Moby Cosmo, Dick this week and instead read Cosmo? I did. And so I'm thinking, if you guys don't mind, I could share, like, something I read in Cosmo. Uh, but <laughs> sure, before, go before, ahead. We, before we resort to that, let's go back to Paula. Clearly, I know, I know Tony didn't read Moby Dick. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> chapters 34 through 39 of Moby Dick? Well, there's something I have to tell you. <laughs> I <laughs> After Tony talked about Cosmo, yeah. I I went out to buy one, but I found another uh, magazine uh, with the title Secrets to a Clean Home and I bought that instead. <laughs> <laughs> So but I'll even, tell you why. You didn't even, yeah, okay. I, I No, because right on the cover it says, make your spaces sparkle in 10 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. Wow. Cleaning hacks that truly work. Who, who could? All right, look it. There's a section called Now What? Find Smart Fixes for Life's Little Disasters. Um, and here it is. Moths have invaded my dresser. The fix. Well, by the way, I don't even own a dresser, so that's one way of handling that. Right. The the fix. Take everything out of your dresser and then use a vacuum to remove any visible moths. I would have known that without this fucking magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that looks like a moth. This is like a rich person's magazine, by the way. Um, yeah. Any any anything that looks like a moth in your dresser, you want to get that out of there. You don't even have. What is this magazine? What was it like ten bucks or something? You don't even have to pay me. That's a freebie. You got a moth in your dresser? Take it out. Yeah. Wait. That, so you didn't you didn't read Moby Dick and you didn't pick up an issue of Cosmo? Then wipe down your dresser inside and out with a damp cloth to remove oh any difficult-to-see larvae <laughs> or eggs. Well, the other thing All you right. might want to do is Order. stop playing Order. that sex. They don't play the moth sex music. That's a good idea. And then they won't be leaving larvae in your... That's a good idea. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. Does, yeah. does anyone yeah, else this, hear This it? is the opposite of Cosmo, Adam. Uh, on page 10... One of the secrets yeah. to a clean home is um, don't fuck. Oh, yeah, that is not very true about Cosmo, but it's, 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 it's not even that good advice, but okay. Yeah. No, it's probably um, the way you keep your house clean is you, you focus on the important stuff. Get the hell out of bed and get going. That's one of the things. Does anybody else have, uh, <laughs> for want of anything else, Cosmo? Bonnie, share us your thoughts on oh. this month's Cosmo. Okay. Well, all right. So I went to a column that they have called Dieter's Notebook. And they had a couple of tips in there, you know, to lose weight. And one of them was the one bowl diet. And The one bowl could, diet? Yeah, the one bowl diet. And you could eat whatever you wanted as long as it fit in one bowl. Like you pick a bowl... <laughs> How big is the bowl, Bonnie? 
They didn't say. They just said. Well, oh there's the there's, <laughs> there's the catch. Yeah. They just said you can eat whatever you want as long as it fits in one bowl. So, <laughs> so are you trying that? No. Then they had another tip. They had another tip, and that was about you know how like. You, a lot of people go off their diets when they go to restaurants because they don't have the nerve to like specify what they really need to stay on their diet. So their suggestion yeah. was like, say, you know, for dinner, you're supposed to eat like a three and a half ounce hamburger patty. So their suggestion was you get a postal scale, you bring it with you. When your meal comes, you take the, you know, like piece of hamburger, you weigh it on the postal scale so you know you're getting what you need to stay on your diet. And their point was, don't be afraid to get what you need. Take care of yourself. Okay, That is some of the worst advice I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) What's more important? I wouldn't bring a postal scale. I would just bring like a big scale. And I would say to the waiter, I'd say, okay, hold that plate and then step on this scale. And, and, then, and then I'd say, okay, now put the plate down and step on the scale again. And can you do that subtraction so I can know how much that food weighed? That, that's how you that weigh pets. That is pet. absurd. That is so absurd. <laughs> Telling somebody to bring a fucking scale into a restaurant. That's... Well, that's ridiculous. I, I have point. to agree with you. Um, um, let me let me let me ask you something, Bonnie. I I read this month's Cosmo cover to cover. Um, yeah. I didn't see anything about the one bowl diet. You didn't? No. Well, maybe I had. You know, I got it at Seven Eleven. They don't. You know how like the issues come out. Like maybe it's oh. the March issue. You're still in February. Maybe we had. Right. I had the February issue. No, oh, that might no, be it because I, I read the March no, issue. No, no, that's not what it is. Um, the Seven Eleven edition has more stuff. <laughs> more stuff about food. Yeah, and more stuff about how it's okay to eat anything you want. Yeah, as long exactly. as it comes in one bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Seven Eleven edition usually says a lot of stuff about eating Kraft macaroni and cheese, donuts, uh, <laughs> hot dogs, and Slurpees, and that that's very seductive to your man. <laughs> uh, Tony Nita Hall, what are your impressions of what I'm guessing was a Cosmo issue this week? How did you know it was a cough? Cosmo issue. You know me so well. Um, so, you know, I was reading our horoscopes and I felt like all of them were very accurate. Oh. Really? For everyone on this call. Yes. Um, so Paula, you are a Capricorn, right? Yeah. So it says you're busting your ass to stay on top of your to-do list. Cappy and TBH, you're starting to feel very over it. Luckily, Aries season is like a month-long vacay for your sign. Oh, so when I'm... So wait. So wait, when does my vacay start? Because I'm not feeling the vacay. I'm not feeling the vacay on the horizon here. I am busting my ass. (laughs) You 
you are busting your ass. But it's it's been almost it's been at least I don't know thirty years of busting my ass. Thirty five. Well, years on of March twenty first, that all changes, Paula Poundstone. Oh my gosh, yeah, I can't wait. Air, thanks to Aries. Thanks uh, to Aries. But wait, Tony, so, I just want to share with you one thing. Don't let wine spills on the tablecloth or grass stains on your child's <laughs> pants worry you. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, boy, that is a privileged life that that's what's worrying you. You, you know, the tablecloth yeah, stains no, and, and the grass stains on my kids' pants. I'll tell you, at this point in our world, what one wouldn't give for a kid to have grass stains on their pants? That's right. Honey, go outside. Uh, uh. Honey, get up and go outside. Go play outside for a little while. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> it's a dream come come true, grass stains on your child's pants. Uh, all right, go ahead, Tony. So who else's um, is horoscope do you have? Um, Bonnie, are you a Gemini? I am. So... Your nine to five is feeling like a 25-8, but you can thank Mars in your sign for giving you the stamina to get shit done and also for seriously revving your sex drive. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, 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 think it's, I think it's been noted by most listeners of this show that Bonnie's been kind of um, uh, on the Randy side over the last month or two. Maybe that's her, her horoscope that, that did it. Yeah, what, Bonnie, what happened to your tooth again? It's a, a what? Oh, do I have to repeat it? It's gross. An abscess. No, abscess. Oh, thank you, yeah. Tony Anita. Yeah, that's what I meant, <laughs> abscess. Boy, you know, n- nothing turns, and you'll find this in the in the dark section of um, Cosmo, nothing turns a woman on like a tooth abscess. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. I don't even read Cosmo, and I knew that. Yeah. But, wow. I, you know, let, um. me, let, me, let me just tell you something that I think you guys don't know. Oil-based stains require immediate attention, so just keep that in mind. That's good to know. Tony, anything else, or does that cover us? What about um, Adam? Adam. I didn't read your horoscope yet. You're okay. a cancer, right, Adam? I am indeed. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, I knew it. I knew it. You have big dreams, Cancer, but you're feeling stuck in your shell. Tip, it's okay to take things slow. Work toward your goal steadily and you'll grow along the way. (laughs) Oh, Yeah, that doesn't feel like me at all, does it? Adam, no, it does. (laughs) You have been growing. I've noticed it. You guys, have you noticed how Adam's been growing? Um... Yeah, I've noticed it. Absolutely. Are you saying yeah. I'm fat? No. <laughs> no. It oh no, like I'm not it. talking about like that. No, I'm talking about you know as a human being, really, you know, really developing. Um, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's awful nice of you. Yeah, I've noticed it. I, you know, I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but I've noticed it. Your involvement. It's yeah. very impressive. Your involvement is very impressive. Oh my, my evolution. Gosh. It's yeah, his evolution, yeah. exactly. I don't think it's yeah. involvement. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. 
You're so high, Bonnie. Um, She's not Um, high. You can't get high from Advil. (laughs) Tell me me that you've looked this up already, Tony. Um, I'm looking it up now. You can't. While you're looking it up, I want to report on my experience of Cosmo. And I was surprised because we've made fun of Tony for... uh, for, for, for her Cosmo readership. And I hadn't looked at Cosmo in many, many years. And it is not bad in the way that it used to be. It's bad in an entirely new way. <laughs> I hate you, Adam. <laughs> for one, it's like it's, it, it's only like 90 pages now. And this is going to disappoint uh, Bonnie and, and Paul to some degree. All of the cliched sex stuff is basically gone. You know, all that how to please your man, wrap yourself in cellophane and, you know, uh, cover yourself in whipped cream before he comes home stuff and all the, the Cosmo advisor and all that stuff that's gone. Well, you know, you, you could pencil it in and leave it for Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hide this one. I happen to get a hold. This month it's the acne issue. So it's a lot of articles about acne. And a lot of, a lot of their articles are like just lists. They're little listicles. And it, it's all written like tweets. And it's all about people's Instagram feeds. Oh my God, that's just who. We, that's just how pathetic yeah. we've we've become. Um, but yeah. there is a guide, a tourist guide to the prostate. <laughs> a tourist guide to the prostate. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the only uh, really like old school. You'd expect to see that in Cosmo in the '80s kind of thing that's going on there. Um, I'm going to encourage all you women out there who get Cosmo to not read that article. <laughs> Too late, Adam. Too late. It's, well, uh, it's, it's not like the information isn't good. It, it just seems to be a little too excited to encourage women to explore their man's prostate. I didn't even know about prostate milking until now. You see, I don't want you to know about that, Tony. <laughs> You I would say wait a 80 minute, to Tony, 90% of men don't want you to know about prostate milking. Tony, you didn't know about prostate milking? No. Well, that's because you weren't raised on a farm. No, that's a different kind of milking, Paula. <laughs> oh, what, are you kidding? No, it's a great alternative to dairy. Um, oh, <laughs> that's... I just- just in my mouth a maybe the bit. worst thing I've ever heard. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, I just I just want to say that one thing that I would advise everyone to do is drop three denture tablets into the toilet bowl. Let them sit for about 30 minutes. The non-abrasive chemicals lift away stains and kill bacteria without damaging the porcelain. It's just something I like to do. <laughs> you know, there, there, was one, uh, there was one piece that tells you how to get rid of the invisible files on your iPhone, and I thought that was very useful. Um. The invisible files? <laughs> your, your iPhone fills up with invisible files over time. And there's a way to clear them out. And this, I don't know what an invisible file is. Um, <laughs> it's when you go to your settings and you start to see what, what's taking up space on your iPhone. There's a whole area that's literally a gray area on the bar graph that just says other. Hmm. There's a way to get rid of I, all those. I never heard so of that. It's, so it's like practical usage things. 
for I don't know. I, I don't even. I don't get the identity of Cosmo. Tony, what is Cosmo nowadays? <laughs> what is Cosmo to you? Uh, what? Because yeah. like, what? what yeah, I saw Tony, was, how was it, has it helped you? <laughs> it's just something that's like mindless and stupid to read because it is mainly listicles and it's written at probably a, a third grade level. So, um, if anyone's wondering which reality show I truly thrive on, it would be the Great British Baking Show. Hmm. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> weird. Okay, I guess that's the end of this segment due to the silence. And with that, I am calling this week's Moby Dick Book Club to a close. And um, Paula, <laughs> do you have a word for us? I think I do. Hold on. <laughs> Um, I, I do, but I, I think even more importantly, um, when you buy a caddy for your cleaning products, uh, the kind that has compartments in it is more efficient than just the big open caddy. That's all I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your word? Um, I have a word, Adam. It's ultra-crepidarian. It's such a great what? word. Ultra-crepidarian. Okay. It's an adjective that means expressing opinions on matters outside the scope of one's knowledge or expertise. It's also huh. a noun um, that means a person who expresses opinions on matters outside the scope of their knowledge or expertise. Here, I'll, I'll use it in, in a sentence. I don't mean to be ultra-crepidarian here, but I wouldn't worry about that pain in your chest. Isn't it a great word? <laughs> yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to thank uh, Susie Dent from uh, Twitter for bringing it to my attention. And let's just put it right in my vocabulary song. Um, let's see. This week's word is ultra-crepidarian. It's an adjective that means expressing opinions on matters outside the scope of one's knowledge or expertise. It's also a noun that means someone you'd describe as ultra-crepidarian. 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 I think it's safe to eat that uncooked carrion. Last week's word was insensate. It's an adjective that means lacking sympathy or compassion, unfeeling. Get up and do all my chores even though you're still healing. The week before that, the word was assiduous. It's an adjective that means showing or done with thoroughness and great care, like how I carefully backcomb my hair. Going back before that, the word was lubber. It's a noun that means a heavy, clumsy, stupid person. Once you've called a friend that, your relationship may worsen. And not long ago, (laughs) we had ubiquitous. It's an adjective that means present, appearing, or found everywhere. So many men are growing facial hair. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Harder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Woo!
Oh Woo. my gosh. All right. Left it all on the field there. Ultra crepidarian. Well, I felt a tingling feeling as a result of that one, Paula Poundstone. That was fantastic. Well, it's the greatest word, ultra crepidarian. It really is. I've never come across it before, I don't think. I have not either, and I'm the kind of person who would, you know, sometimes be accused of possessing that quality. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm very surprised I did. I'm A, surprised I didn't know it, and B, surprised that I didn't pretend to know it just now. So (laughs) there you go. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that somebody didn't write it on the dirt on the side of your car, for God's sakes. <laughs> Coming up, George S. Kaufman said, epitaph for a dead waiter. God finally caught his eye. We'll learn how to catch the eye of a restaurant waiter or hostess. That's next on Nobody Listens to Paula Boundstone. Loose a leg, loose a leg, loose a leg. <laughs> God damn it, Bonnie. <laughs> Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're <laughs> European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. <laughs> What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family, you know that already, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. Sure they allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Bathsheba's father, Eliam, said, what do you think about the name Penny? <laughs> and here we are back to this very special edition of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Um, Paula, uh, as you might have noticed, I don't know if you did, but all performance venues, including theaters, are closed right now. And I am yep. being told, this just in, that this is making things kind of tough for comedians. Yep. I, you know, I I do the thing where I walk up and down the street with a, a, a puppet theater uh, uh, with my head through the curtain of a puppet theater, and I tell jokes that way, but it 
Doesn't seem to be it's paying the, the bills. Yeah. No, doesn't doesn't seem to be. So would you say you're looking for a new job? I am looking for a new job, Adam. I I, uh-huh. I want a job that's that pays money but is satisfying. I, I like I like people. I'd like to be with people. Um, are, are you, is there something that you thought to yourself the other day? <laughs> you know, Adam, it's a huge problem. <laughs> that's how I make my living. So I'm looking for a new job. And the other day I thought restaurants are opening up again. Maybe I could be a hostess for a New York City restaurant. Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, uh, you've worked in restaurants before. I know you worked in a pancake house and I know you were a dishwasher. I've Yeah, I've done multiple restaurant jobs. I've worked in two different pancake house chains. Uh, plus, I used to serve my kids frozen waffles. So I've really kept my hand in the world of pancakes. <laughs> but have you ever been a hostess? I was a hostess at Bickford's Pancake House on Speen Street in Natick in 1976, okay, 77. I'd, I'd imagine that that might be a little bit different than being a hostess at like a schmancy New York City restaurant or something. Well, I'm not sure why you would know, Adam, Mr. Ultra Crepidarian. I'm not sure why you would know that. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't trying to be ultra crepidarian so much as introduce our guest. Oh, go ahead. Introduce our guest, would you? Because <laughs> fortunately, we have, if you just said, Adam, I, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe I could learn something from a New York hostess. Then I'd be able to just kind of go into the intro. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, Adam. Maybe I could learn something about being a, a New York City restaurant hostess. Well, fortunately, Paula, we have a veteran New York City restaurant hostess here on the line. Maybe, maybe she could help you see if it's if you'd be up for the job. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a restaurant hostess. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of restaurant hostessing is Tracy Willett. She was a New York City restaurant hostess for 12 years Please welcome the aforementioned Tracy Willett. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. As you heard, Tracy, my background in hostessing is not what would what would set me up for uh, working in the high stakes world of New York City um, uh, uh, restaurant hostessing. Oh, I think I think with your sense of humor and and your personality, you'd be set up no problem. The pancake house experience is you can walk right in. Oh, really? You think? Yes. Okay, good. It dovetails <laughs> nicely. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Um, tell me what your job was specifically. Tell me what tasks you did as a hostess. Let's start there. Okay. Um, well, when I first started, I there's pretty much three pieces to a restaurant host. There's a, a runner, which is the person who is just walking the guests to the tables. You pull out the chairs, you make sure uh, if they have kids, they have a high chair, coloring pages and crayons. You're just getting them set up at the table and making sure they feel welcome. There's the prep position. And this is the host who really manages people who are on the wait list. Um, If it's a really schmancy restaurant, you're going to have a huge crowd 
going out the door waiting to get a table and you go into the bar and really you're basically prepping people, letting them know how much time until their table's ready to settle up at the bar if they're almost ready. And then you have the deck host, which is like the maitre d'. This is the person that's really dealing with all the stress. They typically have um, a headset in their ear and you have managers telling you, you know, five more minutes until this table finishes. And um, so get the next, get the next table ready. You have bussers telling you the table's set and ready. Get them down, get them down. And were um, your restaurants schmancy or fancy or fancy schmancy? They were, they were fancy schmancy. Yes. Oh, Do you wow. want to name them? Can you name them? Which, which fancy schmancy no, restaurants? I can't, I can't name them. <laughs> oh, are you still in the business? I'm not in the business, but I, you- I mean, I made my living doing that i would feel awful if i yeah if i said something I, to throw him under the bus you, it's yeah not like I you think, were cia you were no. in the restaurant business i think she's making i think she's making the right decision <laughs> i do uh really so okay yeah because we want to ask her questions like this like okay tracy did you seat attractive people in the most <laughs> visible spots yes that okay, was see? like it's so it's so bad, but yes, it was called. They actually have a word for it. It's called merchandising, oh. and, <laughs> and it really is like we were trained to. You know, there's certain spots in the restaurant that are right by the window, and when people are walking by, we want them to see these glamorous people sitting there. Uh, so yes, we. Yeah. We did have to do that, and obviously, it's pretty subjective when, when you're the host. You can have a little fun with it, making that call and <laughs> take a risk to see if if your manager will call you out for that or not. But oh, so you would you would you would you would choose people that you found more like, um, you know, unique uh, yes. in their look and see if uh huh yeah I see yeah what you're saying. at times yeah. Yeah, but sure. but you would never be like seating a a shoeless hobo with a bindle <laughs> sack in the window. <laughs> oh, uh, I would like to say yes, absolutely, but no, I wouldn't. Okay, okay. Interesting. interesting. Just wanted to know. Okay, all right. Let me ask you this: If before everyone knew who Lady Gaga was, and uh-huh. she came in and she was wearing that meat dress. Would you have seated her up front or not? This is before people knew who she was. Oh, man. Um, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. But there is something to be said about New York and trendy. If you're unique, it's going to catch attention. It's going to grab people's attention. It may be, but probably yeah. not the meat dress. Yeah, I think the meat dress was just a bad call on her part. Exactly. It might be a little yeah. too unique even for New York. And by the way, yeah. try to say unique New York three times fast. It can't be done. It cannot be nope. done. It cannot now, be done. Tracy, how do I go about getting a New York City hostess job? Is it who you know? Please tell me I don't have to fill out an online application. <laughs> it, <laughs> you do not. I, I would not say you'd have to fill out an online application. It's really... Um, if. If you have a friend who works in the restaurant, a lot of people get jobs by their friend referring them who already works there. Or I would say timing. 
like if you are looking for a host job and you happen to walk in, there's there's a lot of turnover in, in the restaurants. And if you happen to walk in right at the moment where they are just desperate for a host, <laughs> it might be perfect timing. I, then you I mean, get the job I, right then. Yes. What if you go in and you just bug the shit out of the host until they just throw down the the waiting list and go fuck it, I quit. And then you say, and then you go to the manager. Like, you just step right in to the yeah, role. Looking for a job, uh, uh, hostessing. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to brag, Paula, but I, I got involved in, I have to back Tracy up here. I got involved in the high stakes world of Manhattan sunglass sales. And it was the exact same thing. A friend, a friend of a friend of mine was leaving her position at the South Street Seaport sunglass hut and recommended me for the job. In yeah. no time, I was an ultra successful sunglass retailer. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Just a Throw that in. There. So you just you just stepped in and you already knew all about it. I had to learn. I had to cram. Uh, I was going to say, I because I wonder if that ultra crepidarian thing would play against you. In no, the world. actually, uh, in, in the world of sunglass sales, where half the things you're saying aren't true anyway, uh, it's very helpful. Huh? Oh, I didn't. I didn't know they lied to you in uh, sunglasses. Yeah. All right. All right. So are there? <laughs> Um, Tracy, Adam, I hope you don't mind if we step away from sunglasses for a minute and talk to Tracy about hostessing at a I'm not New totally York comfortable with it, city. but uh, I'll, I'll let this play and see where it goes. <laughs> I hope I'm not out of bounds here in any way. Tracy, is there anything you, Tracy, is there anything you want to say about sunglasses to appease Adam? Thank you. I would, I would just say that I can imagine that'd be a tough, a tough job trying to get people to buy sunglasses. <laughs> Really? It's, it's really not, Tracy. I think you're no. underestimating how tough your job was because it's, yeah. it's really, really easy. There's there's always a sun. It's easy to get people to buy sunglasses because they sit on them, drop them, lose them, uh, and scratch them. So they're constantly buying sunglasses. What, are you kidding me? Um, uh, and Adam used to give this little cloth that had sand on it and say, use this for cleaning. And so people were constantly buying sunglasses. Oh, yeah, they were scratching um, things up. All right, Tracy, are there regulars at your restaurant? And are you supposed to like know their names and, you know, kind of chat them up a little bit? Yes, yes. There are all kinds of regulars. You need to know their names. You need to know where they like to sit. You need to know what they order. If they happen to show up without a reservation, they just decide spontaneously to come that day and you don't have their table available you need to go to the table and talk to the person, the the guests who are no. sitting there. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Say- you gotta at the regulars. Now, not all regulars are like this, but a lot of them. They are extremely particular. And I mean, they'll tell you we spend all our money here. We want our table. We come here all the time. Get them up. <laughs> well, people want a sense of belonging, don't you think, Tracy? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. They they like knowing that you're going to recognize them and you're going to give them that attention and they know oh. that you're going to make their food exactly the way they want it. And It's just like that sentimental theme to this Cheers sitcom. You want to go where everybody knows <laughs> your name and gets the fuck out of your seat. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, everybody, author Pearl Buck said to serve is beautiful, but only if it is done with joy and a whole heart. Is it possible to be a hostess with a joyful whole heart? We'll find out when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Teeny Bopper from San Antonio, Texas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with restaurant hostess Tracy Willett. Tracy, you kick people out of their tables um, to to let the regulars sit down. How how does that go? Is that awkward? No, we typically it's you walk over and very kindly and politely explain. You know, this is this person comes here every day. This is their favorite table. They love. Um, being a part of the restaurant family and yeah, but I'm an easygoing guy and I feel (laughs) like I might, especially if it was a fancy restaurant, I might kindly and politely suggest (laughs) that everybody at the restaurant go fuck themselves. So So somebody's got like, so, and of course you're always talking to them when they just took a bite of spaghetti and there's like pasta dripping out of their mouth and they're still trying to, you know, twist the fork and get it in there. Or they just had a bite of salad and there's a piece of lettuce. It's a $45 plate of spaghetti at at, and, at and her you're restaurant like, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. And, so so uh, usually when if the if the circumstances come to where we would need to move a table, then the table that moves um gets complimentary round of drinks or um they 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 are Gifted. Can we role play this moment? Like they're, Paula and I, Paula and I are eating at your restaurant. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, so all right. Um, so, Mr. Felber, uh, oh, no. are you enjoying your meal? All right. So, Tracy, how about it's it's me and you at the table because Paula's going to be the hostess. She's going to be you. Oh, okay, yeah. So you you okay. and I are having okay. having a dinner. Okay. okay. Uh, Miss uh, Mr. and Mrs. Felber, are you enjoying your meal? I just want to finish this story. Thank oh. you very much. So anyway. <laughs> looked at um, him and said, that's not how you treat a prostate. Um, um, uh, if I could just... Um, yes. If I could, yes. If I could just, what do you um, want? Uh, you know, miss, you see Mr. Winston over there standing in the doorway in that sharp suit and chapeau? Um, yes. Well, yes, I he, see him. He's a member of our restaurant family. Um, oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, c- c- could you top off this drink? I'm, I'm... Uh, you know, in a minute, I'll do it for free. But okay. right now, what I wanted to say to you, Mr. Felber, is uh-huh. that um, uh, Mr. Winston, who you see over by the door, kind of glancing yes. over this way. Oh, look, you're... it's Mr. Winston. Honey, do you see Mr. Winston? Yes, that's Mr. Winston. And he I'm is. I'm asking a... my wife. Excuse me, I'm asking my wife. Tracy, yes. do you see Mr. Winston? Uh, 
Is he the one with the, you said the chapeau? I see him. I see him. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy, honey, that's Mr. Winston. And he usually sits right where you're sitting. Oh. Yeah. It's a comfy chair. It's, yeah. Tracy, um, I think you'll find this chair over here near the kitchen so much more comfortable. Wait a minute, hold on here. Are you suggesting that my wife and I leave this prime table that we've had reservations for for the last three months? No, not your wife and you. Uh, Are you going to pay for the whole meal? If we move? I was going to have just Mr. Felber move. Uh, Mr. Winston <laughs> Wait, would like to sit. Wait, it's my wife's butt that's in that chair. Yes, and... And that's the butt that Mr. Winston would like to sit with. So, (laughs) Tracy, how am I doing? Am I anywhere near where you would do? Uh, Yeah, yeah. He's a member. He's a member of our restaurant family. In fact, in fact, he's the fucked up cousin who no one really likes to talk about. Well, if he's a member of the family, I guess he gets to have dinner with my wife. Show me that kitchen seat. Yeah, and 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 I tell you what, we're gonna give you a little souffle cup of <laughs> of our tiramisu to go. We're gonna. Here. Well, I feel like I've won something wonderful here. Thank you very much. Here, Mister Felber, I'll bring you over some to-go boxes, and you scrape your own food into them, and then take it out. Yeah. And well, I have to say, this this new chair is a lot smaller than I usually like them to be, but uh, well, and it seems can- to be a folding chair. Um, yeah, and here's, can we get a TV tray over here? Excuse me, can we get a TV tray for Mr. Felber? <laughs> Mr. Winston's at the door oh. with his chapeau. Um, and scene. Uh, oh, that was wonderful. That oh, was just wonderful. No. Tracy, let me ask you something. If somebody yes. came in to your fancy restaurant, right, uh-huh. and they yeah. brought a big bowl and said, you can fill this with anything I want. <laughs> And then they took out a scale and weighed it. Would that? How would that go over in the restaurant? They brought. Uh, I, mean, I need to make sure I understand. <laughs> they brought their own bowl. And they said, they "I can have this much bowl. food." Yes, okay. they said, "I can have this much food." And then they brought a scale. I said, "I want to weigh it. I want to know how much food I'm getting." Would that go over? You know, do you? No, would you do that for w- only Mr. Winston, or would you do it for? You know, Tracy Felber as well. No, we wouldn't we wouldn't do that for anyone. We'd probably tell Mr. Winston that the kitchen weighs everything as it's being prepared and and we will make sure it's <laughs> to the exact weight and preparation that the recipe calls for. <laughs> right. But if yeah. it has to fit in a certain bowl. <laughs> um I all right, we would <laughs> We probably we would tell that guest with the bowl that unfortunately, because of health code, we can't use their dishes that they bring from the outside. And okay, I'm well, for real on that, we like Bonnie's going to need to adapt to different strategies. Yeah. Let me is. just be honest with you about this. It's Bonnie who we're talking about. Um, all right, uh, she writes a column in Cosmo now. Um, so. Has anybody has anybody ever taken umbrage, so to speak? Has there ever been like like what's the worst thing that's happened to you in the role of hostess? Uh, Like, a you know, bad, bad restaurant behavior. 
Oh, the worst thing that's ever happened. I well, around about the worst thing. Yeah, dish on some terrible customers. There are there one customer one night we were just slammed with. um, I was the mater d the deck, and we had probably about an hour wait, and a customer just did not want to hear it, did not want to wait. Um, They were trying to convince me that we lost their reservation and they basically just started cursing at me and, and telling me I'm this horrible human being. And, um, and I, in that moment just started crying. (laughs) Oh, usually I could keep it together, but I don't know. It got to me that night. And I think that's what made it the worst because I couldn't, that's, I would say the biggest thing about being a host is that you just have to keep that, that face on no matter what you have to keep and what's the face the you know smile welcome we love having you here no matter how no matter how you treat me no matter what you say to me you know you got to keep that that positive face on huh and i I broke i broke character that night (laughs) yeah happens to us all some night or another i Um, you know what i've cried working in restaurants before i swear um (laughs) It's one of the, I don't think there's many jobs that bring you to tears, but there's something about restaurants. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it's the, it's the stress and everybody feeling like they should have what they get right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, Tracy, are you bribable? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you? Can I bribe you? Like, can I walk <laughs> into your restaurant and go like, hey, yeah, not for nothing, but I'd love to sit near the window over there. And oh look, I just dropped on a hundred dollar bill. Do you mind picking that up for me? We can't. It is so so tempting, but we couldn't. We we could not take the money, especially when there were times when, like I said, if the weight was huge, it would be yeah. yeah we couldn't take it. But there were a few times when um, <laughs> when regulars would come in and they would you take them to their table and they'd slip you some cash (laughs) just to be nice Um, yeah really just to be nice and just to say thank you i think they always appreciated you know getting their table (laughs) well sure getting their their specific table yeah Um, sure um and man moving me to the kitchen uh but so (laughs) so you didn't take bribes and that's a good answer now tell me the true answer no we really couldn't we could not take them i know there are restaurants where you can but at the specific well, spots that I worked, we could not take, we couldn't take the money. Well, for purposes of employment, Tracy, could you point me towards the restaurants where you can take the bribes? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So speak. So speaking of which, how much can I expect to make? Um, with did a, you with a, when you got hired? Did you talk to them about, or it was just a set amount of money? Did you did you did you talk money with the manager when you got hired? Um, when I you usually start at minimum wage, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, depending on like what position you're working as the host, if you're working as the deck or the meter d, you'll make much much more typically, and that position is. Um, really like the boss talks to you about the image of the restaurant. You're the first person that people are going to see. You could be the reason that they stay or go. 
Um, it's Ooh. very, it's very image based, as you can imagine, and and that personality based. Well, you have a wonderful personality. <laughs> I, um, I imagine that if well, you she was a, I gotta say, she was a little rude to the hostess about moving tables. <laughs> no, she, she, no, she rolled with it. She was role playing. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> so, what about how you look? Do they tell you how to dress and stuff like that? Um, it was, they don't, the people that I worked for didn't necessarily tell me specifically how to dress, but it was very, very, very obvious that you're going for this, uh, glamazon, sex kitten type of look. (laughs) Really? And how was that obvious without them telling you? (laughs) Well, was your manager just like, you know what I like? Glamazon sex kittens. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, how are you today? Nice outfit. No, it probably here's a here's a story for you. But maybe this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. But when I first started working as a host, um, I went through all the training, and then after about two weeks of being there, they put me <laughs> they put me on phones, which is like it was in the basement. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the basement and we called it the hole. <laughs> it was this tiny little like box room in the basement. I mean, it was like Milton from the office. You don't wear a little black dress that's two weeks in the hole. <laughs> Boy, I-, I bet you came up with this sex kitten glamazon look after that. No, I I totally didn't. I I was You at didn't first- get it. My feelings were hurt, but then I was like, this is great. I don't have to go face to face with guests. I just take calls and I can read when the phones are ringing. So I think it was. You I didn't learn your lesson positive. at all. Yeah. <laughs> but it is it is. Um, it's very clear that, I mean, it could be different now with the political climate and the Me Too movement. Right. Because um, this must have been as much as two years yeah. ago. <laughs> this was yeah it was definitely two years or more but <laughs> okay but yeah I can, gar- I can guarantee you it's not different yeah it's sad uh I, wait i want to ask you one more question how does a new york city restaurant make itself sought after what what do they do to make it the in place um i would say a lot of it is word of mouth a lot of it is celebrities um, going to your restaurant and then, you know, it's written about in us weekly or whatever those, whatever magazine it could be in. Um, a lot of it is the, the gorgeous people eating there and people want to be a part of that. Well, Tracy, I can't eat everywhere. Um, <laughs> and it's also, Crazy. I think a lot of it too is like, is, is the food. There's so many. What? No. Honestly. I lived in New York for a dozen years. It has nothing to do with the food. <laughs> There's those foodies, you know, they love going to try all the new foods and all these yeah. cooking shows. There's a lot of celebrity chefs working at restaurants now. Too. That is true. That yeah. is true. All right. Well, Tracy, I I have to thank you so much for for sharing this information. What we're going to do now is take what we've learned and put it through something we call the Pounce Donator. Paula, what do you now know about being a restaurant hostess and could you do that job? 
House band Zach Ford on the piano. You sound so great. Thank you for being here. If, if you could just give me a little bit of background music, and I will tell you what the Pounce Donator spit out. I think I could be a New York City restaurant hostess. Mr. De Niro, hello. Welcome to the restaurant. We have your table set up for you right over here. Could I send over a Manhattan to get you started? Good thing you're not in Sherman Oaks, huh? And it's on the house, Mr. De Niro. We love having you and I love your work. Uh, what else would you like to start with? Your server will be right with you. If you need anything at all, my name is Paula. You know what? My name's Paula, even if you don't need anything. Mr. Timberlake, Miss Beale, welcome to the restaurant, your favorite spot right by the window. Could I send over a bottle of Sauvignon to get you started? Your server will be right with you. By the way, I didn't see the Britney Spears documentary. Mr. Bono, so nice to have you. It'll just be a few minutes. I know, it looks like there are a lot of empty seats, but we have a long reservation list tonight. Give me a minute and I'll fit you in. While I have you here, Mr. Bono, do you have any idea how your U2 album got on the music on my iPhone? Oh, oh, you put it there. Oh, oh, excuse me. Tina Fey, right this way. Sarah Jessica Parker, welcome. We'll get your server right to you because we know what you're doing in the city tonight. Mr. Seinfeld. Hold on, Mr. Bono, just hold on. Maybe while you wait, you can figure out how to get that U2 album off my phone. <laughs> Excuse me. Miss Faye, Mr. Seinfeld just came in, and I was wondering if I could move you to a nicer table so I could seat him here. See how it wobbles? It's not right for you. It's so fetch. Right over here, Miss Faye. <laughs> Mr. Seinfeld, right this way. Yes, I see you, Mr. Bono. Beyonce and Jay-Z. I've been rubbing on it. I've been surfing on it. Who would you like me to move for you? De Niro, over here. Pick up your Manhattan and your Brussels sprouts and get over here. Beyonce and Jay-Z are here. I don't care. I'm going to count to three. You're not over here and you pay for that drink. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. I'm sorry, Mr. Bono, we're closed. <laughs> Tracy Willett was a restaurant hostess in New York for 12 years. She was Tony Anita Hall's roommate, one of the <laughs> one of the Legion. Thank you so much for being on our show. Tracy Willett, everybody. Thank you, Tracy. You were great. It was That's a lot of fun. Wonderful. wonderful. Thank you. Thank I'll you. take a table near the window. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, Ireland, the land where no man can touch its sod or breathe its air without becoming better or worse. That's what George Bernard Shaw said. We'll find out what Tony Nita Hull and Bonnie Burns think about Ireland. God help us all when we return. Fun fact, Coca-Cola was the first soft drink in space. And the first hard drink was whatever was in Buzz Aldrin's hip flask.
we are. Tony need a hull. We got an email from That's one of our funny. Irish listeners, oh. didn't we? <laughs> we did. We why, did. Why are you laughing? Um, what is up? I don't know. Why is she laughing? <laughs> no, Bonnie, don't you're know. Bonnie, you're high. Just keep it to yourself. Um, yeah, it's the ibuprofen. No. That's this, this what it is. That's the ibuprofen wacky. talking. There's been so many antics. Yeah, the, and this is this is our third antics. segment where things traditionally fall apart, but we got there early this week. So um, we did. You got an email from one of our Irish listeners. I did. I, I I did. His name is John, and he wrote, "You have a small but loyal following in Connemara, in the west of Ireland." We are enjoying hearing a strange brew happening, growing ever more alarming as Paula, Adam, Bonnie, and Tony interact in the moment. Way cool. By the way, there are about 30 Thomas coins locally, and none of them could survive even a brief power cut. Anyways, <laughs> keep getting better. As we say here, the crack is mighty. Schlon, John. I think that's how you say well, The crack is mighty? Slancha. The crack uh, is mighty. What is that? Huh? Oh, I looked it up. I Googled it. Give me one second. I lost the page. It's enjoyable <laughs> social activity. A good time. Oh, crack. great. It's a noun. Well, the crack shouldn't be so that. mighty during the pandemic, but, you know, slancho, uh, John. Um, wow, Tony, thanks. Yes, thank you, John. We really appreciate that. Well, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, because we've... We've worked so hard at making this an internationally appealing show. Yes, uh, I don't we know really if people. Do. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if people noticed that, but um, oh, yeah, Paula Pounce on the effort that you put in on a weekly basis to internationalize our appeal is—it's astounding. Yeah, where so what I'm trying to do is make it internationally appealing, but not locally repulsive. <laughs> That's the fine line that I'm walking. You're threading the needle. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, everything I can do to make that. Yeah. So um, what? What, wind, what do you? What do you know about is, Ireland, is, Paula? Is there a mighty wind blowing? Wait, through? Bonnie. Bonnie. Is anybody else? Bonnie. Wait. So, uh, some, are you? Are unleashed you, the Kraken? Yeah. Do you have like Chewbacca in your apartment? I mean, like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm frantically trying to find this thing that was part of my presentation that okay, I accidentally you're, got you're, rid of. You're also frantically nose breathing into your microphone. <laughs> oh, I am? Yes. Oh, sorry. Well, how do you know that's me? Uh, just because everybody else was talking? Um, yeah. Um, oh. Bonnie, do you need to call your mother and have her bring something from home for you? <laughs> Did did you leave your your poster on your bed, and now you need your mother to bring it yeah. to school? <laughs> That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, Don, Bonnie, and, see and, if your mom will bring you your diorama. I was asking Paula what she knows about Ireland. I know uh, nothing about Ireland. My only have you never my been there? Only even. Oh please, no! I've never been there. Um, my no, I'm not a big world traveler. Not that I wouldn't want to be. But I've always had this problem. What is it? Um, starts with a D. Debt. Oh. Um, and so uh, I've never, you know, so I, I don't go many places other than 
work. Well, I got I, I got to tell you, Paula, it, uh, and I want to say this: if you are one of our listeners out there from Ireland, see if you can get Paula Poundstone booked in your city, because I, I think Ireland and Paula Poundstone would get along together famously. What I know of it is the movie The Commitments. Was Do you that, remember that movie? The Commitments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember The Commitments. Yeah. So um, I saw Ireland in The Commitments, and then, you know, I think Christopher Plummer talking about either a beer or an antiperspirant or a uh, or a soap, and that's pretty much all I know of Ireland. That's it. Well, um, that was The Commitments was a movie about a Dublin band that played American R&B hits, so... Yeah, yeah, that counts. <laughs> Have you ever had a bowl of Lucky Charms? Yeah, but I I'm not foolish enough to believe that that's actually in any way representative of Ireland. Oh, I am. But you know what? We can we can resolve that because we figured it was time for another in our series of reports on a far off land by the team of Tony Nita Hull and Bonnie Burns. Welcome them both, Bonnie and Tony, Yay! everybody. Yeah. Now you guys have been tasked with reporting on Ireland and Paula and I just can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I think Paula might really enjoy Ireland. I will say this. I thought that I knew a lot about Ireland, but it turns out I don't. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Ireland, you might think that the national symbol of Ireland is the shamrock, right? Sure. Guess what? It's the harp, and they're the only country in the world to have a musical instrument as its national symbol. Wow. As an oh, my gosh. As an well, ultra-crepidarian, I will tell you that I knew that. Th you know what? That's astonishing, and that's certainly worth fighting for right there, that they're the only country with an instrument as their, is their what, their symbol? Their, yeah, yeah, their, it's national, their symbol. national Yeah. Huh. It's so loating. Yeah. Okay, guess what? The Titanic was built in Ireland by 15,000 Irishmen in Belfast. Wow. wow. I didn't know that. Was Leonardo DiCaprio huh. one of those Irishmen in the movie Titanic? <laughs> he played some sort of guy who worked on the Titanic. Didn't that movie start in Ireland or something? Oh, I think he did. Yeah, I wasn't kidding. No. Okay, I don't. I. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a tribute to Ireland that you know the ship that went down came from there. So they that can't be what they brag about. Yeah, we might want to skip along here. What else, Bonnie? Keep us going. These are great. Yeah. Okay, the guillotine. I had always thought, you know, France guillotine. That's what I thought. It was used in Ireland before it was used in France. What did they call it? The guillotine. I don't the know. Guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a French word. Um, <laughs> I think your second answer, okay. I don't know, no, is probably more accurate. It, they, called, they called it, keep that the fuck away from me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got one of those head choppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the choppy okay. thing. Oh, you better behave or you're going to get the choppy thing. Yeah. I have 
Two more before did you I get, turn it over did to Did you my... get this from the from the Downer Book of Ireland? Yeah, These are not happy Irish facts. I know. It's like guillotines yeah. and titanics. Can you bring it up a little bit, Bonnie? Yeah. No, I thought these were interest this was interesting information about Ireland. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah, how no, much meth comes out of there? Get to the cancer rate. Yeah. yeah no. Okay. <laughs> um, I have two more things before I turn it over to my colleague, Tony Anita Hall. The White House, our White House, was designed by an Irishman. I didn't know that. And built by slaves. I, this is just getting happier and happier. <laughs> Okay. It was Here's, it was designed. Okay, well then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two more facts since you said that. All right. Uh huh. The potato famine killed how many Irishmen? See, I have it. Yeah, right. Okay. The submarine was invented in Ireland. What? Yeah. 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 How many were lost? How many were lost on the first voyage? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the last one. I'm going to close on a high note. This is great. Can Guys. you hear my no. dog Mo crying? Can Can you hear Mo crying? <laughs> she's crying no. behind me. But I, yeah. well, she she's also does that, that whenever before. she hears Danny Boy, right? Here's yeah. okay. She just. There's oh, no Daddy snakes boy. in Ireland. <laughs> I hear the pipes are calling. There are no snakes anywhere on this island. We invented submarines. And we forgot to shut the door. And if oh, you need a head Danny chopped off. Avoid the guillotine. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Woo! Uh, yeah, that was, that was lovely. Was there one more fact you had? There, there were no snakes in Ireland? Yeah, there's no snakes in Ireland. Well, it's because of there St. Patrick, right? There are no, no snakes! snakes! No, that's there a myth. There are no... What? What's a myth? The myth is that St. Patrick, who, by the way, wasn't even born in Ireland. He was born in Wales. <laughs> Fucking carpetbagger. Out of, out of Ireland. But that's a oh, myth. Oh, that he chased the snakes out of Ireland? Huh? Yeah. Do you want to know why there's no snakes in Ireland? They can't get work. There are no <laughs> snakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. I have one more. First okay. St. Patrick's Day parade. She has one not more. Not in Ireland. What's not in Ireland? First St. Patrick's Day parade. Was not in Ireland? I'm going to guess it was in Boston. You're so close. New York. Oh. So close. Mm. Now First St. Patrick's Day parade was in New York. And guess what? What? There were no snakes. <laughs> hey, uh, Tony Anita Hull, um, uh, is there anything I you can do to bring your grade up on this report? <laughs> I don't see how you can get any better than what Bonnie's done. This is phenomenal. I know. I just want to kill myself. And I, I guess Bonnie has made me an honorary Irishman because now I feel suicidal. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. oh, Adam, boy. Yeah. All right, go go ahead, Tony. 
Go ahead. Um, so I did live in, I lived in Ireland for one summer when I was no Oh, fucking shit. So, <laughs> okay, now. Everything we talk about, you lived there and you roomed with them and you did yeah. that job. You, you're a goddamn ultra crepidarian. You don't know all these things. Tony, I, I need to ask you, uh, if you lived in Ireland for a summer, rough estimate, how many roommates? Um, so I was what they call a, a, a woofer. So I lived with a families woofer? while I worked on their farm. Oh, for Christ's sakes. You worked on <laughs> this, farms? That's fantastic. When I, when I wanted to have like my eat, pray, I love, love this. moment. Yeah. This was part of it. Yeah. Anyway, so I anyway. love Ireland. Uh, no, I understand. Wait, what was part of you wanting to read Eat, Pray, Fuck? Wh- wh- no, why was that? I, after I read Eat, Pray, Love, I uh-huh. quit my job and went backpacking, and I spent a lot of time in Ireland while I was backpacking, and I would live with people and help take care of It's hard their, to find your way out of Ireland, farms. for sure. Yeah. You'd yeah. live with people and help take care of their farms. Did mm-hmm. they know that you were doing this? Yes. It's called woofing. Ooh, it's that wee girl that lives in the trees. She comes and takes (laughs) care of her farm at night, she does. She's a woofer, we call her. A woofer, worldwide (laughs) workers on organic farms. That's fantastic. Anyway. Throw in the organic thing, why don't you? Um, Make us feel bad. (laughs) So I live in County Limerick. Um, Tony, did you birth... Did you birth babies and then and then also work in hospice? Did you did you bring people into the world and help them out? I have and volunteered you, in hospice. I knew it. And you fed millions, and and you planted trees. For, 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 if you planted a tree for every roommate and job you've had, the, the rainforest would be replenished. Brazil would be fine. Yeah. Okay, sorry, right. Tony. Go ahead. Uh, go do, ahead. Do your report. Uh, yeah, do your report. Sorry to, uh, here we go. Sorry okay. to interrupt. Um, while the average percentage of people with natural red hair is higher in Ireland than in any other place on Earth, still only nine percent of Irish people have red hair. Wow, That's, huh. the, only nine percent does not sound like that little. I mean, in, in any to have like three redheads in any given classroom seems, seems like a lot. That's true. I guess it depends what classroom. Hmm. Yeah, I would have thought it would be higher too. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Yeah. I mean, one thing we may have learned is that Irish people can't do percentages. That could be part of what we're learning, but I don't think so. Um, 38% of Irish people masturbate more than once a week. (laughs) Well, all right. So clearly you've been reading Irish Cosmo. Oh, Cosmo boy. Um, wow. 38%, huh? So when, so when you work in an office and the boss throws the door open and he says, Danny, could you come in here in a minute? Uh, that's why he gives you the minute. So, Oh, Danny boy, your pipes, your pipes, you're stroking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Adam Adam Felber is going to be the editor of Irish Cosmo oh, that's so funny 
You're welcome, world. <laughs> All right, Tony, right. keep my us dogs going. Are cl- my yeah. dogs are climbing onto the treadmill. Can you hear them? They're... <laughs> and I'm sitting on a chair on the treadmill. <laughs> they, were... they, they are so tired of this show. <laughs> no, they just don't like my part of it. I think if they had heard um, the, that pipes joke... They would be more than satisfied to be in the room with I me, would, but now I, they're I, getting a little... Instant career highlight for me. Tony, go on. Instant <laughs> <laughs> career highlight. Um, it's a strange Irish birthday tradition to lift the birthday child upside down and gently tap their head on the floor the number of times as their age plus one. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. Yeah, uh, tell me there's tell me there's not a certain amount of uh, emergency room visits on birthdays. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> and just come from growing kids and weak parents. <laughs> yeah, and thank God they abandoned that tradition after childhood, because can you imagine some poor man going like, "Oh no, I'm turning a hundred and one. I don't know if I'll live through it." <laughs> so Tony, uh, tell us some more about Ireland, the Emerald Isle, here. So Irish people drink a lot of tea. They drink, on average, 4.83 pounds of tea a year. Only the Turks drink more tea per capita than the Irish. Wow. Wow. It's a lot of tea. What about the British? That's a good question. The, the, the report's not on the British. The report's on the Irish. Um... The Irish people have bought almost half a million copies of Fifty Shades of Grey, and almost one-third of Irish couples fantasize about trying out some Fifty Shades of Grey antics. (laughs) One-third? One-third. That's surprising. Yeah. You'd think they'd be busier than that. Yeah. Well, they fantasize about it. They haven't. They haven't. Yeah. This is really... I, I I have to say I'm not I don't feel that I'm fleshing out a great image of Ireland here, but okay, keep <laughs> no, going. I feel like Bonnie told this us is... all the sad stuff and Tony's going towards uh some of the odd facts the... and figures. There's the more salacious yeah. Let me just say that neither of them are gonna be hired to write the travel brochures. <laughs> no, <laughs> no we're giving you good stuff. Uh oh. Bonnie's back. Very good stuff. What's up? Well, okay, for one thing, I just want to share something that's kind of interesting. Uh-huh. The Irish surnames that start with Mac mean son of. Means son of? Son of, yeah. Uh-huh. And the ones that start with, with O means grandson of. Oh, I did oh. not know the O part. Or, or, yeah. So, right. In fact, when Irish people discover something, they say... Grandson. (laughs) Here's some good things. Yes. Yeah. All right. They were the first country in the world to legalize gay marriage. Huh. I didn't know that. Which is really interesting because 88% of the population is Roman Catholic. so, So I don't really quite get that. But anyway... Um, Again, they're not good at tallying percentages. 
It turns out it was one guy. But... <laughs> 88% of Irish people are Roman Catholic. Okay, so they were the first country in no, the world. No, you're misinterpreting that. You're what? thinking that if you take the population of Ireland and you put 88% uh, of people in one section and then there's uh, 12% that you could divide them up, you're thinking. But what it is is 88% of each individual Irish person is Roman Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. 12% of me is Jewish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Straight Which up is 12%. why they were able. Yeah, that's why, that's why they were able to be the first, uh, uh, proudly, I would hope, be the first country to uh, legalize gay marriage. Absolutely. Okay, and Bram Stoker, the guy that wrote Dracula? Yeah. yeah. Irish. Sure. Oh. Yeah, also Samuel Beckett and James Joyce. I mean, they have a lot of great uh, writers in Ireland. Um, That's true. Do you guys have a grand finale for this report, or is this just going to be factoids? Uh, Tony does. For the re- Tony huh? does. I do? Tony um, does. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is my signal to you that it might be time for that. <laughs> bring, bring it on, Tony. We haven't even talked about leprechauns. Oh, it's Nathan Begora, we haven't. Tell us, step up to the mic and tell and us about Tony. Do you know that there aren't any female leprechauns? What? Huh? Well, no wonder they favor gay marriage then. I didn't know that. Also, I never even thought about it. Yeah, there are no female leprechauns. And leprechaun means small body. It means little body? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know that. Did you know that leprechauns have a troublesome cousin called the clericon? No. Yeah. What's a clericon? a mythical tr- creature that shares many characteristics with the leprechaun. These beings are always described as drunk and surly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Is that is that the big finale? Uh, there's also uh, a <laughs> CPECON. Um, did they mention the CPECON? Which are um, described as... Um, Drunk, surly, and kind of idiots. <laughs> I will. T- Wait. What? Go ahead. No, I was going to say that clericons uh, are troublemakers as the night form of leprechauns. After a hard day's work, these bearded fairies get so tipsy that they become entirely different species. What does that remind you of? Me? You know, it could be the Advil. They could be on Advil. <laughs> no, gremlins. And ibuprofen. Gremlins. Oh, gremlins. Oh, gremlins. Gremlins. Oh. Yes. I missed oh. that. Nice. Nicely also, done. Also, blasphemy yeah. is still illegal in Ireland. The end. Oh, blasphemy is illegal? Wow. Still that illegal. That was the end? Jesus Christ. I, I, I got to say, you guys have done an amazing report. I mean, <laughs> hands up, but you have. Amazing. 
You failed yeah. to stick oh, the definitely. landing yet again. I mean, like, you need a finale for this. <laughs> okay, okay, you know what? The fucking North Pole had a landing that you just, like, walked all over. I haven't really? <laughs> Well, at least we're not holding on to resentments from long ago. Um, yeah. yeah. T- Tony, do you carry those in a backpack? How do you do that? Um, <laughs> wow. Um, so, fucking, yeah. That was spring-loaded, Paula. Did you hear that? Yeah, that was amazing. That was... You, fucking no, I, you, I, know, you, wa- you, you walked right into that. In fact, she purposely... Didn't have like a big finish, hoping right. that you would reference the North Pole, and kaboom! You know, I, I and the thing is, I can tell you when the when the listeners hear this, they're all gonna go, "Why? Why are you guys so mean to Tony? Why are you guys so mean to Tony?" Yeah, but I what know. they don't see is the. Um, you know, the, how she sets it up, how she oh, lays yeah. like that game, oh, like that yeah. game Mousetrap, how she lays out one thing carefully after the other. The other and, just, yeah. and all of a sudden you you sprung it and there's Adam inside that little <laughs> red uh, uh, trap. <laughs> which which is why there's see. literally dozens of roommates out there nodding and th- saying, yep, that's why I moved Stop out. It. Oh, that's my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just roommates either. It's it's. It's farm owners all throughout Ireland. (laughs) Yeah, she's like a sister to me. I don't talk to me, sister. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's farm owners and a lot of farm animals that were just caught, you know, by Tony in these the way she lays a a trap. Well, oh, Oh, all character assassination aside, I want to thank Bonnie and Tony for that amazing report on our new listenership in the country of Ireland. You guys thank have done more you. to internationalize our show than any of us. Yeah, really. It was a wonderful job. Can I say one more thing? Yes. Please. If yeah. you are if you go to the Limerick Milk Market on Saturdays, make sure you pick up some jam from the Green Apron. Because those are the that's the family I used to work with, and they make amazing jam. That's wow. a wonderful plug. Very specific, but very wonderful. Hey, Paula Poundstone, <laughs> what's what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not selling any jam. <laughs> um, Adam, Poundstone Industries, a subsidiary of Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is humming along... Like a finely tuned machine. Of course. Um, faux spring will be here before you know it, those warm days just before you're hit with another snowstorm. And faux spring is the perfect weather for my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt in baseball or standard style with the self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. Get yours at paulapoundstone.com and click on the store tab. I'm also available to make a video message for you to a friend or loved one for an occasion or maybe just to lift their spirits. Order at cameo.com slash Paula P33. That's cameo.com slash Paula P33. And of course, many people know this. I can't say more right now because of Heidi. Heidi. Well, um, listen to our my Starburn Sports simulcast, if I can piggyback on you, Paula. That can be found on the Stereo app. Just uh, download the Stereo app. You can find me and Jeff Cesario calling live sporting events for free 
And you know what? Adam Felber's got a new book and a new podcast coming, and I'm not telling you about it this week, just teasing you. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mom. Oh, yeah. Adam's teasing me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there is a subject or topic you'd like to know about, please tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Tracy Willett. Oh, you can seat me anywhere, Tracy. And thanks to our, she were fantastic, and our house band, Zach Ford. You can follow him on Twitter, at Zach Ford. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. And transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? The pipes are calling, but you can't hear them because things are in your ears. Please take them out and try to listen carefully. Your tooth will heal from the aneurysm it has. Oh, Tony girl, Cosmo, Cosmo is calling. It's Irish Cosmo, and Adam Felber is the editor. <laughs> oh, you'll find the prostate just south of Limerick County. That grosses me. Out. <laughs> 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 A podcast network.